got a suit, but he's not any different, is he? Um, <laughs> so what we're doing, here, take that to that side. Uh, what we want to have a moment to do is to reflect and remember what God has done. If you remember back to February of this year, we began the year and we had really big ideas of all the cool things that God was going to do amongst us. Um, but Stinks almost all there. of that changed back in March. And we thought the world was going to look one way. And then before you knew it, we had um, how many, 12 weeks locked in with our families and our loved ones confined into a tiny space. And it was nuts. And then we came back and then we went back in again uh, for Sundays. We had to go back online and a lot has happened. And so we want to take a moment to remember and reflect on what God has done. So can I also invite Sylvia and Allie to come up and join us today? Um, can we just give them a round of applause as they come? Why don't you grab a seat over there? You want the comfy seat? I totally agree. See, I was going to do that thing where the interviewer's on one side and the interviewees are on another side, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, we'll just go on this side then. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, look, a, a lot has happened, and each of you guys reflect different areas of our church community, and it's important. You guys hear enough from me on a Sunday. I wanted us to have a chance to hear from people who look after lots of different areas and lots of different things that are happening in our community. And so we've got three different people. So Ali is amazing. She's on our eldership that only just began at the end of last year, which is crazy. Um, Sylvia, as most of you know, is our amazing connect group extraordinaire who runs arguably the biggest ministry in our church. And then Carl and uh, him together with Brooke have been overseeing pretty much all of our youth programs from the beginning of this year and then jumping on with Brendan a bit, little bit later, which has been another huge area. Um, and so, that <laughs> for Carl. Um, I want to take a moment to hear from each of you guys a little bit about what's been happening and how you reflect back on this year in the life of our church. So maybe I can start with you, Ali. Um, Ali, first quick question, and Sylvia, do you mind passing that to Ali? Um, this one isn't on your script, Ali, oh. but can I ask you... <laughs> and Sylvia only wants scripted questions. Okay. Um, Ali, can I ask you, um, what are you loving about Jesus right now? Thanks, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what am I loving? Unpredictability of Jesus. Oh, mm. that's a good answer. Yeah, yep. I think she should be an elder. <laughs> yeah, I think um, definitely this year's proven to everyone that, yeah, um, unpredictability, um, yeah, it's a good opportunity to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Um, yeah, and I think, while it hasn't been easy and it hasn't been pleasant, I think we can probably, all of us, look back and think about a time where we've been really close to Jesus. Hmm. That's cool. Um, so, Ali, you're one of our elders. Um, this is the first eldership you've been on, eh? Yep. Yep, yep. And you've, you've, this is our first eldership as a church. I've never run or been on one before, so we have no idea what we're doing. Um, fortunately, we have Arthur and Ken and Richard, responsible people. Um, Ali, when you reflect back on this past year for us as a church, from like an elders leader's perspective, what have been some of the big moments that really stick out to you? Like maybe what are some of the biggest challenges or things we've had to kind of go through together as a community? Um, well, I guess, well, hang on, I'll look at my notes. Um, so definitely forming the eldership. Um, I looked back and was just having a look through our agendas and our meeting notes just to kind of pull out some highlights. And it dawned on me, we actually didn't have our first elders meeting until February. <laughs> wow. So Is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. 
Yep, so wow. we, we met and we had um, a day in Mount Monganui as an eldership team and got to know each other. Some of us had never really had more than five-minute conversation with one another. Some of us knew each other a bit better. Um, so I think one of the highlights has to be that we've been able to create a really strong eldership team, I believe, um, where we, yeah, we do, we come from completely different journeys, different stories and different stages of life. Um, but despite the differences, I think that we've got some real strengths as a team. So that's definitely one of the highlights. And I mean, then of course we have to acknowledge that, um, <laughs> that come March, which I think was our third meeting, we were already talking about um, contingency plans for this COVID thing that might be coming. Just maybe, right? <laughs> it was on the fringes. And then yeah. I think the following meeting we were discussing what lockdown was gonna look like. So um, yeah, I just think right from the, the heart, from the start, we acknowledged that we needed to be conversation stewards, hearing what God was saying within the church um, through the people of the church. Um, I think practically I've put CATAS down, so there were some financial things that were happening around reporting and structures of reporting, which all sounds very, very boring probably to the non-business people and accounting people, but um, it's really important that as a church we know where we are standing financially, and I think that was quite huge for the operational team to know exactly what was happening financially. Um, so bringing on CATAS was helpful there. Um, just. I think the hard work that we continued to do as a team, despite having COVID lockdown, I think when we went into um, level four, we as an eldership decided that we were gonna have weekly Zoom meetings and we made it a priority to connect with each other, to support each other, but to also support you, Colin, because you were doing a lot of it on your own around the... <laughs> online streaming, so as an eldership. Yeah, those were dark days. We don't, I don't want to remember those days in Eden's bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just, yeah, looking at how we could identify practical and missional needs in, the, in our community and in the community that we live in, um, and how we could support the Connect Group leaders, um, reaching out to people who weren't in Connect Groups. So I think we did a lot of um, pastoral phone calls to people not in connect groups. Yeah, we did. Yep. That was pretty, yeah, that for me, that was um, a highlight of being able to intentionally reach out and have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people and hear how people were doing in their stories. Um, gosh, I've got so many since February. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, the hardship fund, I think um, Sylvia and Jenny worked really hard to um, come up with a response to the COVID. And, yeah, that's true. If um, you guys don't remember that, we approved to shift $50,000 from our building fund asset and to make it available for people in our community who have been hard hit by COVID to get some griefs and relief um, during that time. I was really excited by that too. It was a really practical mm. way that we can show our yep. love, even a bit sacrificially as a church. Yeah. Uh, almost there. Um, I think what would be definitely a highlight is despite... Um, yeah, the instability, the unknowing, um, I think as an eldership we stayed strong and we kept coming back to what's our vision, what are our values, and we kept coming back to the four pillars of worship, discipleship, mission and community. Yeah. And despite being in various stages of lockdown, um, we kept coming back to that and as a church, how are we outworking these four pillars of our church? Um, no, that's that's awesome. Can I do one more? One, one more, more, okay, one more, fine. One more, one more. One more. And then Brooke and Carl's wedding, I think. Oh, that, um, yes. That, <laughs> that has to be a highlight of yeah. the way that we were able to come together as a community. And despite all of the challenges, we were able to 
they were still able to get married and we were all, through the use of technology, able to participate and be part of that. You That's made me cool. cut short. I know, I know. There's so much that we have to say. I, I do want to commend our eldership to you. Um, you know, like before I had Sylvia and Ken as like a little leadership team helping us get going, but this year putting them together is, um, yeah, Ken, Ali, uh, Richard, and Cam, and um, Arthur. It's our five elders. And they have been a huge support to me and to so many people here in this church. They... Amidst all of the twists and turns, God has had a, just a remarkable unity amongst five, six very different people. And uh, I've talked with some of my other pastor friends, and I know how their elderships have gone. Um, I've been very thankful for my team, <laughs> if I can put it that way. And so I'm really grateful, and I want to commend you guys have some amazing leaders who are looking out for this community. Um, so thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Um, Sylvia. Sylvia. Now, which question, number one or two, you can ask me? <laughs> uh, Sylvia, what are you loving about Jesus at the moment? Okay. <laughs> I, I really thought about this because I only got the question at about nine or ten o'clock last night. Yeah. So I thought about this. What I'm loving about Jesus right now, seeing Jesus drawing people to connect together and answering prayers, people have prayed, one person told me they just kept getting the word connect in their spirit, just connect, connect. And then when they came into our church and saw the word connect over there on the wall, they knew that, that this was the right place for them and they've now joined some connect groups. And even though they've been away, sometimes they still feel connected to our fellowship. So just love how Jesus has done that. Um, how Jesus is showing me that our younger generation can remind of, of simple habits. Um, something, you know, even saying grace before meals. Our granddaughter is 19 months old and one day they came for lunch at our home and she, her parents have been taught her to say grace before meals. And so we all started, you know, eating without praying. And um, she's 19 months old, and she she does this. Can we think? Oh, oh, I think she's. Oh, I think she's telling us we better pray, right? So she does this. She goes. I And um, I was just totally blessed like that. You know that generational thing um, is just awesome. That's really cool, Sylvia. Um, one of the things, um, you look after our connect groups, and connect groups have been a huge um, feature in our community life. Um, we have so many of them. Um, Dave, do you want to flick me onto sermon slides? I think I've got one um, just up ahead. So if you flick me onto sermon slides, there we go. I was looking at the, the numbers this year, and um, we've had well over 140 people involved in our connect groups this year. Um, some of whom are here in this room, some of whom who don't attend our church um, community are still involved with the connect group, maybe it's play group or the shooting group. And that's just, I think it's really, really exciting. That's a lot of people that have been meeting together throughout the week, and it's a really, really big win. Um, when you think about connect groups this past year, what do you think are some of the biggest moments or some of the big highlights of kind of what God's done through that area? I'm part of seven connect groups. <laughs> Actually, eight, because John and I lead one as well. Um, also, those are 140 individual people. I checked. It's not just oh, doubled up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 
I'm part of the Connect Group Scenic and Beach Walk and Easy Riders Cycling Group. We often frequent um, Green and Grill for a couple of our activities and we've got to know Julia, the owner, and I felt particularly to, to foster a relationship with her. She knows us by name now, she greets us. And one time John and I were having a coffee by ourselves at Grill and Green and Julia came to us, she was operating the business by herself and said, I have to go to the Four Square for some goods I need. Would you guys look after my business for a few minutes? <laughs> and so, you know, that, that shows real trust. Um, there's other things, another time, we asked her, could you take a picture of us all? We want to put it on the Facebook. And she came to us and, and said, food can be bland, but add herbs and the food becomes special. People on their own can be just like that, bland food. Relationships are like herbs, and your group together, I believe, is like a meal with herbs. Apparently, she thought of Chris as, as Rosemary. <laughs> that that really sounds about funny. right. Good Catholic boy, eh, Chris? Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I've been able to have um, chats with Julia just about God. She knows what our group's about, that we're part of Golden Sands Baptist Church. And, you know, now she often gives us a hug, and sometimes some of the groups too. Yeah, so they've been real. It really highlights um, another thing I've seen. Um, I'll just read. So as, as the Connect Group coordinator, I've learned many skills that I didn't know how to do. John helps me, my hubby. He's very patient. <laughs> I, I know what I want to do, but I don't often know how to do it. So, John, can you help me here? At the beginning, I didn't know how to use the church app, create groups, create forms, send emails. I didn't know how to use Publisher to create the Connect Group brochure, crop photos, and more recently, ed the connect, edit the Connect Group Leaders Manual. So I've just been really, really blessed to see God place an idea in people's heart, like the sing-along, and all of a sudden, 10 people want to join. Some of people of my age that want to just sing the old hymns and the songs and have a good sing-along. That's awesome. And one more thing. So this is how the connection's happening, is... Um, you know, this, born, this group was born out of the instigator of the group wanting to bless someone with music. So Wynne showed Cheryl how to play her ukulele. So her and Wynne play the ukulele at our sing-along group. But we live in a retirement village and I saw people in our village were advertising on the Papamoa Link Facebook page wanting some people that play the ukulele to get together in our village. So I thought, oh, I know two people from our connect groups that would like to be part of that. So now I put them in contact um, with the person in our village that plays the ukulele. So there's connections happening all over the place and we just don't know where God can just do things. He, he's just amazing. That's what I love about Jesus. That's cool. Just the unexpected. That's cool. That's cool. And I, can I commend Sylvia to you? She does a phenomenal amount of work behind the scenes 
gathering this together. She has such a patient spirit. Um, with me, a wildly unorganized person, she has so much grace as she works with me. And um, Sylvia, thank you for all the work that you do. Genuinely, um, in our discussions, we talked about loneliness as one of the most significant needs in our community. And we also talked about how um, one of the things that came back was how effective our connect groups have been at bringing people into meaningful relationships with one another. And uh, when I look at these connect groups, it reminds me that the most effective mission work and work we're gonna do isn't gonna be through programs. It's gonna be through us just becoming friends with one another and looking out for the people next to us. So thank you, Sylvia, and all of our connect group leaders for all that you do. It's a, it's a huge gift to us as a community. Um, Carl. Want to hear? Yeah, Carl. Carl, what are you loving about? <laughs> Carl, what are you loving about Jesus at the moment? Um, I'm I'm really loving the way that our youth are are just diving in to Jesus. Um, it's really interesting. We've changed up youth group quite a bit over the course of the year and, I, and as, as I was looking back it's kind of like we've had four years in one yeah. um, especially when it comes to youth group and we, we started off with a big hiss and a roar and we were here and it was, it was all good and we were kicking balls around playing loud music having a lot of fun eating a lot of food and that, and that was great and then COVID hit and the world just stopped as everyone was aware and as a youth leadership team we had to to really think, okay, well, how do we do youth in this way? You know, do we sit down and we kind of have a sermon and, and go through that process, or do we actually just flip the switch and actually go, actually, let's just build some relationship with kids? Um, and so that's that's the tact that we did. We we went down the fun route and we went down the the route of um, coming up with ideas about scavenger hunts throughout the houses and and things like that to try and I guess get them engaged and. And one of the, the most awesome things was um, it was coming up to our wedding and um, Brooke had this awesome challenge that it was, let's get dressed up as a bride. Um, and so we had everything. We had lipstick, we had red dresses, we had white dresses, we had everything on, on Zoom. And by the way, I'm not talking about girls. I'm talking about guys here. Um, it was it was full on. Um, it was it was very very good. In fact, um, one of them is somewhere around, which looks like he's disappeared. He's hiding. He's, he's hiding because he's going to get called out. Yep. Um, but you know, it was it was really cool just to see the way that the kids would come on and they would share their heart and they would actually be real with one another and they would actually dive into actually this sucks, but because we're connecting and because we're together, it actually works. Um, so so that's, um, that's kind of stage two. Um, and then stage three is we've now moved uh, youth group out to, um, out to home and then intermediates uh, are meeting here. And it's been really exciting to see the way that the, the youth are evolving at home. Um, we're finding that the youth that are coming uh, is it's coming because they want to know more about God. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, 
when I was doing the, the main leading of, of the group, it was all about relationship for me. It was building that group. And now Brooke's come in and she's really starting to build that theological um, content. And it's really awesome because the kids are actually really engaged with it and they're wanting to ask questions and they're really diving into it. And it's, it's just really, really awesome to see. That's really, really cool. Um, again, I, I want to commend Carl and Brooke. Um, Brendan uh, helps run our intermediates. He's not here this week. Paul, um, I don't think, I don't see Paul here either, um, has also helped stop in to run into our intermediates. They're incredible people that have had to deal with so many changes this year, and they're all volunteers as well. You know, heaps of other people in churches are doing this on a full-time capacity. Um, these guys are doing it um, on top of all the other things that they do. And to me, the biggest win is these kids know that they're loved. Um, by you and by, by God. And that's a huge win in a COVID year, um, particularly when there's so many struggles in our community. So thank you for all that you do. Um, our youth ministry is really exciting. Um, um, yeah, you guys are awesome. It has been a massive year, but God has been faithful, eh? And he's, he's led us through the midst of that. So why don't you guys have a seat? Let's give these guys a round of applause. And... Um, Oh, yes. Um, real quick, um, before I go into this next section, um, check under your chairs. Anyone got a sticker under their chairs? Check under your chairs. Anyone got a sticker under their chairs? I don't know what these stickers look like, Carl. Do you know what these stickers look like? Yellow post-its. Yellow post-its. Post oh, we got one there. Any other yellow post-its? He, he doesn't have one. Yellow post-its, yellow post-its. Anyone got? There should be hey, one, got one somewhere there. And so, yep, yep. Two. Do we have a third yellow post-it? Oh, right there? Cool. Right, put up your hand if you've got a yellow post-it. We got a Do you want to run up to them? Run up to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And real quick, um, over here, real quick, here's the chocolate for you. What's your name? Sarah. Sarah, if I can put you on the spot, what are you liking about Jesus right now? Um, that he's always there, and no matter what you're doing or where you're going through, he's always there. Awesome. That's nice. fantastic. That's great. Grab a chocolate. We got one over here with Chris. I think it's Chris, and um, here we go. God is moving. Yeah. Is that what you love about Jesus right now? I mean. That he's moving. Good answer. That's good. All right. Oh, gosh. Fantastic. And then just one right back over there. What, what are you loving about Jesus right now? He's faithful. He's always there. That is awesome. That's really, really cool. All right. Um, hey, uh, Dave, my thing is disconnected, so I might just get you to click through while I tell you to go through it. Um, real quick, can you go to the where we've been slide? Cool. And then move forward one. Um, one last thing that Dan Moses would really like me to share. Dan and Gemma Moses, she runs our kids' ministry. Dan runs our music and worship stuff, obviously. Um, one of the biggest things that's happened this year is COVID forced us to go online and start our online streaming stuff, which, I mean, I'm, if you're watching online, I'm really glad this is a tool, but this was a big journey for me, um, learning how to do it all. On my first day, I had Dave up there in the office with me, and I thought, yeah, this is going to work. I'll have some people to help. And then level four got real intense, and I was like, cool, no one to help. Here I go. <laughs> and so Dave, bless his heart, was on the phone pretty much every Sunday morning from like 9 till 9.40 with me those first few weeks, being like, Dave, it's not working. Um, 
But this is something that's been really cool and unexpected that's come through since we started our YouTube channel in March. Um, we've had around 8,000 views on the channel as a whole. Um, that's over about over 1,500 individual unique viewers. So 1,500 individual people have accessed our content in some shape or form from lots of them in New Zealand, which is actually really encouraging, and then quite a few from internationally as well, which is weird. But like, who from there's like one from Cambodia, and I'm like, who from Cambodia? It's, my mom is the Mexico stats. Yeah, the Mexico is always on there. Thanks, mom. Um, Impressions, this is what shows up on people's YouTube channel. So our thumbnail or our name would have showed up on about over 30,000 people's YouTube feeds. Um, and people have watched over 2,000 hours of our content online, which is kind of crazy, yay. Kind of weird, but kind of cool. You know, God works in unexpected ways, right, Ellie? And uh, he can do things through that as well. So I just thought I'd share that as I thought that was um, really, really interesting. So let's skip forward. Um, next slide. Uh, let's go to the all things new, if you can. Yeah, where to now? Um, look, AGMs are a chance for us to ask the big question of why are we here? Why are we doing any of this? Why are we gathering? Why are we putting our money together? Why are we doing these connect groups? There's got to be a reason for it. And truth be told, it has to be more than just we're creating another social club in Papamoa. Um, because those are hard to do as it is, and it's probably not worth the effort. Um, we're trying to do more than just create programs that our kids can go to so that we can listen to a pastor preach on Sunday, because, ugh. I mean, we've got to be more than just a Sunday, another experience that is on the platter of a thousand different Sunday experiences in Tauranga, right? We have to have a key, huge question as to why. And for us, that always comes back to the core of the gospel. And the language that we've used here often is drawn from the language of Revelation. At the very end of that book that we spent nine months in, after God rids the world of evil, after he sets freedom to the captives and the martyrs are restored, the prophet looks out and says, behold, I see heaven coming down to earth. And the one on the throne says, watch for I am making all things new. And it's that picture of heaven coming down to earth, of our world and our lives being transformed by the gospel that is the beating heart of so much of our church. At its core, we believe that God is making us new, like our neighborhood. We're talking about new social structures, new systems, where rent doesn't cost so much and people are going into debt just to keep their head above water, where poverty and wealth inequality isn't plaguing so many of us, where domestic violence just dissipates and no one has to live in fear in their own home anymore. We're thinking about healthy communities, strong neighborhoods, a new Papamoa that looks like God imagined it. A Papamoa that looks like if God were here and Jesus were king, that's what Papamoa would look like. This isn't just a theoretical exercise for us. We believe this is God's mission here in our neighborhood. And it's our job to be a part of that. But it doesn't just happen outside of our four walls. One of the key ways that God makes everything new is it starts in you and me. As each and every one of us encounter the love of Jesus, we are transformed by that. The anxieties, the insecurities, the loneliness, the bitterness that we have experiences a healing like no other. I mean, to know that you are loved unconditionally, no matter what, that you are placed in a family that will walk with you no matter what. And that God can work through you to bring life no matter what. That is a transformative, freeing, powerful gospel. And so as God makes us new, 
we partner with him in making everything else new in our schools, in our workplaces, in our city, and in our world. That is the heartbeat of our church. And so what we've done at this AGM is it's a chance for us to now, for the first time in our life as a church, reflect on where are we going? How are we gonna get there? How are we actually gonna achieve that big idea? It's the first time we've had disposable income as a church. That feels nice. We've two years just trying to keep our head above water. I remember me and Ken having meetings like, are we, are we in the red? Are we in the red? <gasps> Woohoo, 5,000 above. Yes. Hopefully we'll make it to next month, you know? And, but God's blessed us and he's led us to a space where we have some momentum and we have people and we have um, the chance to actually make an impact and be intentional. And the question is, how are we going to be intentional with that? And now the normal way that people will often go about this is um, not to their fault, but often uh, you usually get some sort of charismatic uh, preacher who goes away onto a mountain and has like a, a good spiritual experience, who, who's been to good theological colleges, you know, the, the good ones, you know, and who has prayed and he's read all the books and he's consulted the experts and he's gone to the national church organization and heard about the mission there. And then that charismatic pastor goes up to the mountain on Sinai and hears the word of the Lord and says, the word for this year is hope. The word for this year is connection. The word for this year, look, that's not bad, but as a Baptist church, that's not who we are. We've said it time and time again here at Golden Sands Baptist, who's the leader of this church? It is not me, it is Jesus. And if it's not Jesus, we're stuffed because I'm not that good, right? And the way, and this is what makes Baptist churches unique amongst all these other churches. It doesn't make us better. This isn't like we're lording it over the other denominations. But what sets us apart is our unique taonga, our unique gift or treasure that we bring, is we believe that the way we hear God is not just through the pastor or the prophet at the front, but it's here amongst us in the community. As we gather together in all of our differences, in all of our awkward conversations, in all of our frustrations, as we gather together to pray, it's here that God speaks to us. This is the most clear place where I can hear the voice of God. It's not on top of the Papamoa Hills. It's here listening to you. And so when we had a chance to build our vision and direction for the church, I said, if we're gonna hear God, then I need to hear him clearly, not by myself, but from you. So we've, we spent five weeks doing just that, and it was a bit of a thing. Uh, we spent five weeks talking about this. I asked you guys eight questions. We had probably about 20 minutes of conversation in every Sunday service where I was getting responses out of you. So over 630 responses that have come back to us. 630 responses that I have collated into a giant Excel sheet and placed together on themes. 630 responses that got placed before our entire eldership. And so when we said it's time to hear God, we actually sat down and listened to one another. And in throughout this process, through these 630 different responses, we as an eldership sat and we prayed and we said, God, as leaders, help us to find the thread of the spirit amongst this. Because I mean, some of the ideas were crazy. I love you, but some of y'all are weird. It's okay, <laughs> but sometimes you're weird. So you, we can't do everything, right? But there's something God's calling us to. And so as elders, it was our job to find the thread of the spirit amongst all these different responses, hear what God was saying to us. It's our job as elders to listen first. And so that's what we did. We went through and we prayed and we listened. And after we listened, we came forward realizing, okay, look, we recognize that there are some things we're doing really, really well, which is really exciting. Again, one of our highlights that we should continue to celebrate is our connect groups. Over 140 people involved in those regularly throughout the year. And if the most 
arguably one of the biggest needs that came back to the feedback was loneliness. Huge in Papamoa. So many of us are lonely. Our connect groups are not just a thing that we do to make our church feel better. They are one of the strongest missional arms of our church. And that should be celebrated. So we saw that we were doing really, really well there, but we saw that there are other areas that we could strengthen and increase. And so the other week I've put out a report coalescing that, and I just wanna run through that real quick today, and we're gonna talk about that. Um, so we basically line it up into four areas that we feel God calling us to in the future. Four strategic focuses that we've gotta put effort, time, and money into in order to see all things made new in our community and in our lives. So the first one of those um, is youth. Uh, let's go back up to the youth slide, perfect. Um, heaps of responses around youth. Um, man, I, so many, like, uh, these are literally things you've said. Biggest need in Papamoa, discipleship with rangatahi who have broken families. Uh, youth who need a safe place to be and to be loved. Support for the stressed youth and teachers in our schools. I, well over 30 to 40 different responses, all focused on that need. And then we looked at it and we looked at the, what's happening in our community. We realized that there's actually a real gap for youth in Papamoa. There's not much youth work happening in our city, in our area. Uh, there's another church that's doing some good stuff current. They're doing a great job with the youth group there. God bless them. It's not enough to meet the needs that are there. And so we really felt like God might be speaking to us about how we can strategically partner with and invest in our youth. And so we had a few targets that we've put together on that. The first one on that is we recognize that there are more youth that we need to grapple with and we do not have the teams to actually serve them. Again, looking after our youth, it's not about throwing money at them to just get pay someone to care for them. That's not how God does it in his kingdom. He needs relationship, he needs people. And so for us to be able to meet that need, one of the things that we recognize is we probably need about 14 new volunteers in that space. Probably seven with our youth ministry and seven with our intermediates ministry. I mean, we're getting 20 plus intermediates on Wednesdays and we're getting near 20 on Fridays. So that's 40 kids altogether. We do not have enough leaders to act effectively disciple and invest in them. If we continue as we are, we're gonna be doing a babysitting service. That's not good enough. So we need a whole bunch of new volunteers to invest into this area. And we may even need to look at some creative things. So maybe there are some parents who are like, man, I'd really like to do that, but I've got little kids. Maybe we have to come up with creative babysitting solutions. Maybe there are older ones of us here that will say, you know what, for this term, for every term of this year, I'm gonna go look after your kids so that you can go and serve our youth. We may need to find some of those creative options in order to release the right people to do that. Um, the next thing we want to do is we want to do a six-month investigation of how we can partner with Papamoa College. It is the most significant school in our area. It touches Golden Sands all the way down to Hartford Drive. Like, so many people are going through there. There are heaps of people working there. Cherry's working. Cherry, is she back there? Cherry's around there. Some. Hi, Cherry. She works there. The, the staff and team are trying to do their best, but there's a lot of space for us to partner with them and see how we could do it. So what we've done in our budget is we've set aside... Um, the most expensive option of how we could help them. Because we thought, look, let's plan big <laughs> and see how it goes. And so what we've done is we've set aside a near full-time wage for a potential youth worker, 24-7 youth worker chaplain um, to be hired by September um, to be able to start serving in that school. Now, we haven't guaranteed that that's what we want to do because to partner and to investigate means we need to be open-ended. 
to engage in relationship with the school to see what do they need, how can we bless them. But in terms of our budget, we wanted to allocate it in case the most expensive thing came along, we were ready to jump and ready to serve. And so that's one of the huge areas that we can continue to build. And if we get really effective there, that would have a profound impact on Papamoa. The next focus area that we looked at was around mental health and relationships. Um, my goodness, the amount of responses around this loneliness. Um, you guys talked about needs for family support and family violence, uh, broken relationships, divorces, um, single parent homes, so many responses as huge needs in our area that you talked about. You also talked about the, the common feeling lots of people feel like they have a lack of purpose. Um, the challenges of materialism and getting lost in just owning more things. You talked about the high needs of depression and anxiety. This is what you've told us that you see as needs in our areas and effective ways that we could reach out. And so we've looked at that and as elders, we agree. We think this is a huge area where we could have a, a, an effective presence. We think the gospel of Jesus and the community of the church offer something that unique that government services can't. I mean, the governments can put out counselors, they can put out social workers, but there's something about Jesus and the loving arms of a community that does something that is so profound, no social worker could ever achieve that, could they, Ali? We can do something the government never could. And so there's, I think there's a huge potential for us there. So we talked about a few different things there. Um, if we go to that next one, Dave, we talked about um, looking at running some different courses next year, whether it's parenting courses, relationship courses. Um, I've had a conversation about a potential grief course for those who've lost people. I think there's huge avenues and great way for us to expand um, the reach of our church and a great opportunity for those who aren't Christians to come in and experience some love, some aroha, some community and some support in some key areas. So we're gonna look at running a couple of those next year. Um, we're gonna move forward with building the church care team. Um, those of you who've been along, you know it's a work in progress. Um, we know that to effectively care for the needs of our community, it cannot be just me. It's not pastoral care because I'm one person and we're too many and I don't know if I'm that good at it anyway. Um, we need other people. And so we're gonna move forward with building a strong church care team so that we can look after and come alongside the people with strong needs in our community. We can't fix all their problems, but we can come alongside them as Jesus and love them. Um, then we're gonna look at some further explanations of what that could look like. We don't have, again, this is some experience that we've only just heard about it in the last month. So we don't wanna say 100% we're doing this on this day because there's some chance for us to grow. I'd like to engage with the wise people at BBC, their counseling team about how we can effectively do this. But we've set aside $6,000 for these courses and other programs or help that we can get for that. Um, the next big thing, the next big focus area, evangelism. Man, this was encouraging. This is not a sexy word nowadays, is it? It's not like people go to church and be like, I love evangelism. You know, like it's not, people feel weird sharing about their faith, huh? No one wants to know. Um, but a huge response in almost every single week of feedback, whether it was worship, discipleship, mission, or community, you guys talked about the need for us to be active in sharing our faith. You talked about needing to reach out to the lost, about learning how to be intentional about bringing Jesus into your conversations and your relationships. You talked about a desire to be taught how to share your faith in normal ways, not like crazy freaky ways, but ways that you could tell your friend and not feel ashamed of it. Um, and you said that as a church, we constantly need to be bringing people in for baptisms. These are things that you've desired and you've wanted. And I am so excited to be a part of a church that wants to do that. Genuinely, if we lose our heart for the people outside of our walls, we're stuffed. 
And if Jesus isn't at the center of our answers, we're also stuffed. He's all we have. And so what, some of the things that we're going to do is um, next year, we're going to run an alpha course. Whether that's term one or term two, we're not exactly sure. We need to find the right timing to make it work well. But we're going to run an alpha course next year. We set aside $3,000 to do the full shebang, the full catered dinner. Do it once, do it right, do it properly. Um, and to do, for that to work, we're going to need a whole bunch of table leaders. And we're also going to need you to invite your friends, your family, your networks. We've got money in marketing, but it won't work if you don't invite people to come along. So if this is who we want to be, church, this is who we can be. Um, we also talked about creating some spaces for some evangelism training. Um, I'd love to explore how we could do that in a sermon series, talking on Sunday, how do we share our faith in natural ways, but also looking at maybe building some connect groups or some courses to help equip us to get into depth and learn how you can talk about Jesus in a way that feels loving and caring and relevant for 21st century New Zealand. So we're going to look at investing in some of those areas. Um, the last key area that we talked about um, that we saw come through was around the bicultural journey. Um, again, a lot of responses around this, about a church that we long to be inclusive. We want to welcome people who are different from us. You talked about wanting to engage with tikanga Māori, seeing designs and elements of that in our church community and in our culture. And if we want to welcome lots of different cultures, the best place to start is engaging in our bicultural relationships. In the relationship between Māori and Pākehā, it's like one, one Māori guy, when I was talking to him about it, a Māori leader, he said, if you think about all the different cultures, it's like if Pakia and Māori work together, it's kind of like mom and dad and the family flourishes. Everybody does well when churches do well there. And so we think this is a huge need. Um, and this isn't about, and I want to be clear, because I know this can be controversial sometimes, this isn't about just trying to get more Māori into our church so we can tick a box. That's not what this is. I'm convinced as an immigrant to these shores and having to getting to talk to other pastors and other leaders, um, one of the most significant moves of God that is happening across New Zealand is amongst and in and through Māori people. There is a form of revival and spirituality that is coming out of the marae, that is coming out of tikanga, that is happening as Māori and Pakia come together in relationship that is unique in all the world. And my fear is that if we don't engage with something so significant that God is doing, I would be terrified if we got left behind because it is amazing and incredible. So some of the things that we talked about for that are um, look, looking at some sermon series. How do we grapple with that theologically? What does it mean to engage in a bicultural journey from a theological perspective? We also talked about continuing to develop relationships. I've met with the local iwi um, Napotiki once and had some brief conversations with them. We would like to develop those relationships. But one of the key prayer points for us is looking for perhaps some key leaders or some key consultants to help us along that journey. I can't decide how to do everything because I'm not Māori and we're looking for some right people to come alongside of our eldership and our church to help us do this really, really well. And so we've set aside $1,200 throughout the year to help us, whether this is bringing in someone to speak or some courses that we can run, we've set aside some capacity for that. So these are the four areas that we feel God is calling us to. Our youth, mental health and relationships, evangelism, and bicultural journey. This is what you have spoken about and this is what we as leaders reflect back to you is what we hear God saying in and through you. So, what does that mean? Um, oh, one more thing. To enable all this, I almost forgot about this. To enable all this, we need to hire an operations leader. Um, we're talking about a lot of events, a lot of volunteers, and growing systems that need to be managed. And if I try to take that on, A, 
I'm, Sylvia knows, I'm rubbish at it, aren't I, Sylvia? <laughs> I have other gifts. What a Christian way to say it. Um, I have other gifts. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. I need help. And for us to enable to do all these things, we really believe that we need to employ someone as soon as we can to start implementing the operational and systems needs to achieve all these different things. And so this is what we feel called to church. This is what we feel like the next year will look like for us. What does that mean in practical terms? Um, let's head to it. Look, this is gonna cost and it's gonna be some hard work. Look, our current weekly income average um, has been just over $4,000, roughly some weeks more, some weeks less, but that's our roughly weekly income. To be able to potentially afford an operations leader and potentially a youth worker, maybe at the end of the year by December, if that's our most expensive option, to achieve that by December, we need to grow that giving to about 5,601 a week. Our current budget has been 176,000. Now, fortunately, our giving has grown since that budget and we've, we're giving more than that. But in order to do all these things, we need to grow that budget up to about $250,000, which for a church of our size in Toranga is actually not, in, not that abnormal. That's actually probably getting us onto par with some other churches. Um, but here's the most interesting. To do all these things, we're probably gonna need an additional 30 different volunteer roles amongst us in our community. I've always said in the last four weeks, I said it's gonna cost us, didn't I? If you wanna be a part of something big that God is doing, it will cost you your time, it will cost you your relationships, it'll cost you some energy, and it'll cost us some money. I believe it's worth it. I believe the potential of what God can do in and through us is worth it. Carl's already hinted at it, but can you imagine the youth to know that there is a church of people that love them and care for them and that they can belong here with us no matter what and that we will support them in their journey no matter what. That is transformative in their life stages, in their life journey. We can take a kid to Easter camp, they can encounter God, and that will change the trajectory of their life forever. We can wrap around people with anxiety and depression in a way that social services and wins never could. We can remind them of the love of God in tangible ways that brings hope and healing and freedom. No government program could do those things. Jesus can in and through us. We can help people to encounter the love of Jesus by sharing our faith in loving, friendly, relevant ways. And they will experience the freedom of the love of God. And we get to go on this journey exploring how to become different and see how God works beyond just our culture. That's who we could be. I would love to be that. But it would take some hard work. And so what I wanna do is I wanna invite Arthur up. Um, Arthur is the chairperson of our eldership team and I am grateful for him more than words could say. You've been a huge support to me this year. Um, I wanna hand it over to Arthur and he's gonna lead us through some of the decision-making about how do we decide if this is who we want to be.